Peace, good people. P. Fee, how you feeling today? I am feeling sleepy, but also grateful. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm feeling hopeful. Ooh, hopefully. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. And most importantly, you, the listener on the Black Love Podcast Network. Hey. Oh, this is going to be good. Out here loving. This is going to be good. Loving while today. black. Yeah. That's a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Remember when Pac said, I remember Marvin Gaye. He used to sing to me. He had me feeling like black was a thing to be. That's how I'm feeling right now. I love that. Even in stride of adversity, mm. um, with the stride of a history, I am still so very grateful to experience love in the black experience. It's the one, man. Considering all of what I've been through personally and we've been through collectively that could impact my perception of love, right? Mm. Or my willingness to surrender. And yet still. There's a resiliency into finding love. Especially in the black experience. That's why it feels the way that it feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it touches the way that it touches. It. It's not absent of challenge it's not absent of see i'm trying to find like what is the like opposite of of love right how mm-hmm. how that might show up mm-hmm. it's not absent of those things that challenge love and i think that's why it feels the way that it does when it's practice absolutely because there's a knowing and on it's the full. other side yeah it's full it's mm-hmm. a full love. It's not a, it's not a happenstance. Mm-mm. It is choiceful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've always been fascinated in the way that black people show love, love to one another, how they practice it. Even though it, it's taken me my year's timing to understand the many ways that it looks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look just one particular way, but that's mm-hmm. why I love it. Mm-hmm. Because black isn't just one experience either. Right. Yeah. It's multivariate. It's nuanced. It is relative to proximity and history mm-hmm. and our seasonings and, you know, our way mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. This is actually bringing me back to a beautiful space of black people loving. Right. So we got a thing at Hampton University where we say uh, spread love is the Hampton way. <laughs> Right. And while that used to be a moniker, I experienced it so differently recently at homecoming. Mm -hmm. It was like a tried and true love. And I want to I want to talk a little bit about tried and true. Yeah. I want (laughs) to talk a little bit about that love that we experienced Mm -hmm. at homecoming, if you don't mind. I, I I never mind. Come on. You know know what I'm talking about. That's that's where the love is. I so check. But before we go into this space, I want to share an affirmation. Uh, for our our session today mm. and it it reminds me very closely of what i experienced at hampton we are reading from page 56 of felicia's text okay uh toolkit for mothers investigating grief's process and it reads when we share our stories and are open about our feelings we create room for compassion and connectedness we create room for reference we create room for love. Mm. 
when we share our stories and are open about our feelings. Let me tell y'all. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to like 2004. What? This particular year now is 2005. And I'm in a, a stats class for social sciences. And I have a classmate who's an upperclassman who just saw me and, and she rocked with me. Mm. And she made sure I was connected to the study groups and the notes. She saw that I was trying. We was both trying. And we've been particularly close since then. And this classmate um, has gone on to do amazing things in the world in spaces of advocacy and representation for our people. And she was one of the first people I saw at homecoming. <laughs> first in the DM a couple of weeks ago, she asked where we're going to be at homecoming. Mm. And at that point, no tickets were purchased, but I told her yes. <laughs> okay. And we see each other on the first day, the bazaar. And she <laughs> makes eye contact with me while she's speaking to somebody else. And she comes and she hugs me so tightly. Mm. And tears just start to fall from her eyes. Mm. And she articulates uh, how much she loves us, how proud of me she is. Mm -hmm. Just remembering those years back when I was an underclassman in that class, right? Mm -hmm. And um, with tears in her eyes and a great smile, she just expressed that her and her husband have been experiencing some challenges in their journey toward becoming parents. Hmm. And it didn't even strike me off guard. It felt so right hmm. to share that hug and that embrace. We haven't seen each other in years, but I didn't know it was going to start like that. <laughs> it was my first hug. Yeah. She spotted me. Now, this does something to me because it makes me aware, oh, snap. Many of these folks have not seen us since they missed us in 2019. Mm -hmm. When our grief was in the thick, in the new form of it, and the difficulty finding language for it, many of our loved ones were also experiencing difficulty finding language. They just missed us. Mm-hmm. And her hug was an indicator for me that, oh, this is true. These are the people who have been praying and loving and aiding in resource from a distance. They have not been able to see us. This is their first time. And following that hug for me was, this is the deepest level of connectedness I've ever experienced at a homecoming. Yeah. It wasn't superficial. It wasn't surface. Mm -hmm. I and I and I know what it's like to not remember somebody's name, right? <laughs> Y'all all know. <laughs> it's so good to see you. It's so good to see all of you. Man, how you been? How have <laughs> right, you, you know been? That, right. Or I remember your Instagram name or your <laughs> and it gets bad. What I'm saying is those moments were so far and few in between, not because I remembered everybody's name, but because the level of connectedness and conversation 
was so rich. Mm-hmm. You really got to sit down, like kind of chop it up with somebody yeah. or stand up, chop it up with somebody, wherever it was at. Mm-hmm. Right. And I spoke to a few classmates, Fee, who were having similar experiences, not necessarily around angel parenthood, but just like, why did this one feel this way? Right. People were saying it just felt good. Folks felt connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we say it's tried and true, I'd like to say that um, the relationships that have been in formation for decades have turned the corner on grief and massive grief calls for massive love. We know this to be true. And so many folks there at homecoming, their worlds look different. Their families look different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very much so. So I was really curious to the extent of the depth of the love that folks were feeling. This was the first, you know, major event on campus post-pandemic for alumni. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think folks just really came prepared to to love different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And it was memorable. Yeah. I very much recall that feeling of love. In every embrace that I that I had. And I was noting, like, I shared this with you at the time. I said, I don't know what it is. Like, it just, is it because of our age? Like, you know, where we're at in our lives right now, where we have experienced grief in one way or another. And we've seen that across social media. It's funny, right? It's like you're seeing these people in person for the first time in years, but sometimes it's confusing for me because I'm like, no, I have seen you. Like I see you on social media, but the embrace is, I mean, surpasses, you know, the, the greeting on social media, obviously, but I, I never could have imagined that it would feel this way. And I honestly attribute it to the grief, as you're saying, like there has been a massive grief and I don't know if there is a relationship with where we are presently um, in our lives, you know, over 30, over 35. But uh, I remember very specifically like talking to Johnny Bailey and how intentional the conversation with him went Mm -hmm. and understanding, like knowing a bit of Johnny's story, Mm -hmm. but also knowing like, oh, you were also a person that was present, even though there was distance between us. Yeah. I remember you being very present and understanding grief. Yes. And so the conversation just was filled with an abundance of love and also just gratitude and joy and celebration for what the journey has been. Mm-hmm. And thinking about how how far we traveled to get to this place to get to this meeting ground of Hampton University, right? Mm -hmm. I think it also symbolizes the journey as well in our lives. So like arriving home on homecoming just felt different this year. I would agree. Like it was the, it was a celebration of life Mm -hmm. because life been life into all of us. Okay. Life been life been for all of everybody us. nobody was safe from the rain I right? think so whether um, there was like 
sorry, I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but I start to think about all the different yeah. types of grief that I've seen across my friends. So yes. I know that I have friends that have lost their parents. Yes. I know that I have friends that have experienced life differently than they had imagined. Absolutely. The, the trajectory that they had originally uh, started on c- coming from Hampton and where life has brought them today. Absolutely. And there's something about hugging somebody who knows and understands this type of grief, hugging someone who is aware of the experience of grief. There is a connection in that hug that is unlike anything else. Like It's different. It it is unguarded. mm -hmm. It's like an offering. Mm, Exactly. It is. The hug is like an offering and we, and we extend it to one another and it creates this embrace that is, totally memorable to the fibers in your body. Mm-hmm. So I think when folks were talking about, you know, we talk about Hampton hugs and, and I'm going to name this. Y'all have known me for a long time. Um, and I've always had pride about attending an HBCU. Um, I don't think I've ever said Hampton as much in recent years as I've had to say it now with joy about the space and time that is called Hampton University and the bonds you make, mm-hmm. especially in a world where it is often uh, difficult to have safe spaces for our affinity, for our interests, for our culture, for so many spaces uh, alienating us or uh, invisibilizing us. And for so many folks who were offered or given the lie that it was not going to be able to compete academically, mm. right? We see time and time again that we just continue to achieve, continue to open doors. The academic outcomes or the professional outcomes or professional career placement, that is water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. We're not even we're not even at that point. We're not trying to prove to anybody that we made it. What I'm speaking about is how wonderful it felt to experience black culture in its fullness mm-hmm. and the many different presentations. Cause if you remember Hampton being in the mid-Atlantic. You're in at an HBCU, but you're having so many different cultural experiences. You got your homies from down south and what they come with and how yeah. you just, you know, what they feel like. Because mm-hmm. they, they come with a feeling. They do. You got your uh, your New York family. They come with a feeling. You got your DMV <laughs> family, right? They come with a feeling. Yeah. Then you have your international family, whether you're Nigerian, whether you're Trinidadian, whether you're mm-hmm. Jamaican. Mm-hmm. And all these affinity groups are happening. Simultaneously, I knew how to find my people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and in all this belongingness, in all this difference, and building across difference with bridges of connectedness and care, I was most impressed at how safe Kamali felt, <laughs> and how safe I felt with Kamali there. Mm-hmm. There was a collective looking after the babies. Yeah. Like folks know how to see babies. Yeah, that's right. what it is. all the mom eyes was on. Yeah, but no, here's my here's my other part that I really, really liked. They look like undergraduates to me. I mean, I don't know. They could have been like newly graduates. They just look really <laughs> young. But even they made room for Kamali. Mm. And it it just felt like I said, I remember Marvin Gaye used to sing to me. He had me feeling like black was a thing to be. When Pac said that lyric, it touched me because that is how I felt at Hampton, that each of us were celebrating our blackness uh, and the love and the fullness. And when folks see babies experiencing that culture, 
there's a little celebration that happens inside of all of us mm-hmm. because we want our babies to know this as early as possible. Mm-hmm. I remember when I graduated high school and they had like the graduation requirements listed on the wall in the counselor's office. And they had like a list of schools you can go to when you meet these requirements. And there were no HBCUs on the wall. I right? very much remember that. And I laughed because I knew already by my senior year, I was probably on my third college tour. So mm-hmm. I went in here like, yo, y'all slipping. <laughs> Like there are other schools we could go to and desire to go to, but you don't even list them. Okay. And I remember me and Marcus went in there, you know, all HBCU'd out, like stop playing with us. Mm-hmm. I very much remember that. I didn't have the privilege of going on a college tour, but I, I had the privilege of knowing I was going to an HBCU and I was going to Hampton by way of my grandmother, Maddie mm-hmm. B. Jett, mm-hmm. who went to Alabama A&M. So um, I'm I'm so grateful. I told my mom this and actually. And your piano teacher. And my piano teacher, Miss Kraft. Yes, she actually did send me to Hampton very specifically. But I was telling my mom when I was out there, I called her and I was just expressing to her my deep gratitude for making provisions for me to go and attend Hampton. And that I have this privilege to come back home each year after forming these relationships from 2005 to 2009. I still get to have them yeah. where we can come back and hug one another and be with one another. Like this is, this is a lifetime and belong and belong. And I just told her like, this is, this is incredible that you've allowed me that you made provisions for me to make this happen. Mm. I left Sacramento and my mom did not want me to go. And it wasn't like she wanted to hang on to me. I think it was more about like, how am I going to do this? Because I also had a privilege of attending a university in California for free. And some people might think that this is insane because my dad is a veteran. And so through his benefits, I could select any school. But y'all, I knew I wanted to go to Hampton. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not, I'm not staying here. And I remember when that congratulations letter came in the mail and Hampton at the time was sending out letters that had congratulations on the outside. I knew I got in. (laughs) And I remember getting that envelope, come home from school, getting that envelope. It must've been around like February or like March around that time of year. Mm -hmm. And my mom was sitting on the couch and I was like, mom, I got it. And she was like, "Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> it was like no congratulations, like you know, n- no outward excitement. But my mom made it happen. I really want to shout her out. My mom made that happen for me, and she paid my tuition. And my mom, when I say she paid my tuition, I'm saying that my mom paid my tuition, y'all. She absolutely did. Every single year, she made it happen, and I have so much gratitude for that woman for allowing me this rich experience where I had this intersection of so many black experiences across the diaspora. It is abundantly, abundantly rich. Mm. And now in parenthood, I think about what it means to uh, exchange uh, time for wages, labor for wages, and then use those resources she used her life. She did. Listen, she used her life to send you to Hampton University. She, did. she really did. Um, it's not when you think about it, it's not about the dollar, right? It's about 
the time and the mm-hmm. lived experience. Mm-hmm. And I have a deep appreciation for her as well, for allowing you to go there, for supporting you the way she did, for supporting us the way she did. In terms of by that time, Kariga was, you know, pretty much around to stay. I could just, I had, I had to do the work, but I had, I started to earn some uh, favor from my mother-in-law. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think about what it means to be a teenager into young adulthood living across the country. I think about when we travel now, a tour or a speaking engagement or a city that I don't reside how much of a stranger I feel in that city until my work is done, mm-hmm. right? I might have one or two folks I visit, but it's not my home. I'm there to perform a service, mm-hmm. whether it's a show or speaking engagement, and mm-hmm. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The 757 is different. It's so different. Whenever I go there, I'm home a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, <laughs> right? Because these relationships and this history and this love mm-hmm. and this belongingness, mm-hmm. the city of Hampton recognizes when the alumni come into town, mm-hmm. they know we're there. Mm-hmm. And it, it matters when you belong, mm-hmm. when somebody's expecting to receive you. Mm-hmm. Because there aren't that many spaces in this world, let me remind you, where you get to experience that type of belongingness in the black experience. Mm. It, it doesn't happen that way, mm. which leaves so much room for division and contention mm-hmm. and dealing with the adversity of what is being black in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at the HBCU, however, because there is a common understanding, a common lived experience, the love is a little more intentional. Mm. The courtesy is a little more intentional. I saw this one thing where some alumni a little bit older than me and Somebody dropped a phone and this woman tracked this woman down to return her phone and her wallet. And I just love that type of gesture Mm -hmm. when you're around family enough for that to happen. Mm -hmm. I love that folks were aware and cognizant of Kamali Mm -hmm. as she was just making her way through. Mm -hmm. Just waving and bouncing and little shoulders was coming up. Yeah. (laughs) And also, as you named, right, what it means to be alumni 35 and over. It's different. I remember when I was fresh out, right? And we just driving up from yep. D.C. Right. That was different. I was coming back for the flex. But <laughs> life, when you realize that we have entered a chapter in lives where many of our parents begin to age, mm-hmm. we survive a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we got children now. Not unscathed. Yeah. Many folks' families look different as a result of the pandemic. Their careers look different for as a result of the pandemic. A lot of marriages look different as a result of the pandemic. And that is a grief that is um, really uncomfortable to articulate unless there is room for love. Mm. Because it is one thing to show back up to Hampton University. It's another thing to show back up without the partner that you last had when you were at Hampton University. Yeah. So for a lot of folks, this homecoming was different. And I extend a massive amount of love for the way we saw each other, love one another, party with one another, made room for each other. Uh, folks with the older babies, right? Some eight-year-old and nine-year-olds was just kind of playing with Kamali. I'm like, damn, I like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was getting my drink made on the side. It's just <laughs> all these things that made it possible. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who is listening in this space and you got a young person or you are a young adult and thinking about heading to an HBCU, I'm never trying to sell anything 
more than I want you to be celebrated in your identity, in your walk, in your pursuit of cultural information and pathways. I know that had I known that I would be, I would have this type of community with Hampton when I was an undergraduate. I'm laughing because would I have done anything different? <laughs> no. <laughs> but not nah, because there's some people. One of my favorite things was some people who I know I had out loud differences with. I know. Um, and we were still able to hug and love one another. I know. It's so wild. It's like <laughs> ordinarily I wouldn't have hugged you a few years ago because I wasn't rocking. I wasn't. But it was no secret. You, oh, but here's my thing though. Right. Like I have a friend <laughs> and it's no secret that there was a strong dislike for one another. At least I disliked him strongly. I believed he disliked me strongly. And here's what I'm going to tell y'all. He, he disliked me strongly. We were freshmen. I'm just barely able to pay for school. I'm having oh, a hard Lord. time. I'm having a hard time. It's humanities class. It's humanities. And humanities I'm just one on one. Yeah. And I'm doing my thing. And I'm talking about the cost of education, which has always been a plight for me in my attendance. And this dude <laughs> raises his hand in class and responds to me directly and says, you know, Kariga, you don't have to be here. <laughs> if you couldn't afford it, you could have went to the army. I said, did you just tell me to be all I can yes, be? Yes, he did. Told me yes, I had to be here, go to the army. Did and and for that day, from that day on, for about four years, he was an op. Okay, <laughs> I'm which is funny right. because I met him through you. I couldn't believe it. I met him through you one time. Yeah, he was be, taking us for a ride. Or, we became friends. This is this, and is, he had a he had a he had a, a set, phone in his car. He had a listen attached. Y'all, <laughs> I'm, I won't say his name because not because I wouldn't say his name. But because I would say his name, except for the fact that he had a 745 when we were in college. So somebody who was driving a 745 telling me I didn't have to be here. I could have went to the army. I took personal. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> you ain't living my experience. You're obviously not. However, the beauty is allowing adolescents to be adolescents until we can grow to fully aware adults mm-hmm. and change our perspectives mm-hmm. uh, and change our Willingness to let love win, mm-hmm. uh, change the way we see one another and hear one another. Mm-hmm. And because of that, today, he and I embrace so warmly. That's my dog, right? Yeah. And this story doesn't go without being told. Never. But imagine, let's just take this out of the context of university. Imagine 18-year-old Reed trying to get somewhere in life. And I feel like somebody flexing on me and telling me I don't have to be here, right? Because you broke or whatever. Ordinarily, outside the university system, that's funk. Right. That's actually a real problem that doesn't have to be a problem, but can result in life changing outcomes. Mm -hmm. Because at the root of it, it is somebody feeling like they're being displaced for being inadequate. And that's exactly what get heads busted in the hood every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So outside of the university system, what I was actually feeling was this level of judgment. Right. Yeah. Because I didn't have the financial resources, which is enough for conflicts to happen over far less but our relationship got time and the conditions to mature Mm. enough for us to see how much more we had in common than any difference and today the the 36 year old Kariga has no judgment or feeling of inadequacy over what an 18 year old drives 
because I know that their parents provided that for them. But at that time, it can feel like such a difference. But the time, the time you're just naming, like that's what this trip was. And that's what I'm incredibly grateful that I will get to experience over time. Absolutely. You know, that's Absolutely. what it will be. Absolutely. And the more we experience the world outside the safety of Hampton University, the more we all receive information and indicators of just what being black is. And when you no longer oh, have a desire. That's what I love about it. When you no longer have a desire to be accepted by a space that is just tolerating <sighs> you, you come to a space where you're celebrated yes. and you celebrate one another. And yes. that is the HBCU experience. It's mm. the celebration of our identities. It is not just an achievement or what the alumni are doing and what type of money they're making. It's never that. Mm-hmm. At the core human need, it is connectedness. Yeah. It is belongingness. Mm-hmm. It is togetherness. Mm-hmm. And I want to share the affirmation again okay. for us to understand exactly how um, this belonging feels. When we share our stories and are open about our feelings, we create room for compassion and connectedness. We create room for reference. We create room for love. Mm. Yes, indeed. Spread love is the Hampton way. It's the Hampton way. I just, I love this conversation that we're having. I love Hampton University. I love my my Hampton University family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before we close out, I just want to ask you, I don't know if you have one, but if you can maybe name one of your favorite moments from homecoming this year. Yes. Okay, give it to us. Ooh, this is hard because there were so many good ones. Yeah. Because then, then you remember when there was the part that wasn't Hampton University, it was just Hampton, Virginia, when we went and played that live music? That's right. right. Because like the 757 is home, not just the university. Mm-hmm. So that was fire. Mm-hmm. Um, can Come I give on, you two? Get, can I give you two? Get, all right, give us two. Give us two. All right. All right. <laughs> so one is... Kamali and I were walking through the student center and y'all know what student center I'm talking about. The one that went viral, (laughs) Hampton University Student Center was packed. Okay. And it's always like that. I just want to note that it's just crazy how social media just gives access to this. No, this one looked a little packer. It was just like 16, it looked like 16 more people were in there than previous. Okay. I'm just rough estimate. Okay. Because Kamali was there this year and and a couple other babies. (laughs) So we walking through the student center and you know how Kamali responds to rhythm. Mm -hmm. She gets it. So she's on my hip and I'm bobbing my head and I look over and she's bobbing her head too, right? And she's bobbing her head on beat with her, and I'm man. like, I love this. This is how you're supposed to do it. And everybody noticed she was bobbing her head and that didn't throw her off. She's like, mm. yeah, we rolling. So that moment was special. Okay, okay. And believe it or not, the thing that made me feel so warm was when we went to the Bell Manor to do the performance yeah and his brother had us over his home and we went upstairs to the performance venue in his home and he put up a safety gate as soon as kamali came up the stairs <sighs> a safety gate went down right after and i said hey bro i could relax you and you're trying to meet my needs <laughs> did you really just put up a safety gate over these steps man ain't nothing like that when people see my whole family not just having me for a service or a show but you made sure my baby was safe. Mm-hmm. And that meant 
everything to me. Yeah, feeling seen. I was able to relax. I know it. I know it. I want to hear about your favorite moments. It's funny. I, I asked this question for you, and I never once thought about one of my favorite moments. But um, if I could name anything, the thing that comes to my mind first is when we were coming out of the student center and we were going to go find Lauren. Lauren is actually one of my favorite homecoming buddies. She is my friend. I've known her since before I attended Hampton. Actually, We were music majors together. Uh, But if you know anything about Lauren, she will rep Hampton till she dies. It is her University. She represents the HU, the HI, and the HIU. And on our way out of the student center to have our Lauren embrace, Lauren and Marilene, I told Riga, I said, Kamali don't even know Lauren is here and she about to lose it. <laughs> and he was like, I know she finna lose it. I was like, she gonna lose it. I can't wait to see how she responds because she knows her T Lauren and, and T Mari. Uh huh. T La and T Mari. And when we got outside and her eyes adjusted and recognized Lauren and Buddy Lee, she wiggled out of your arms and jumped down to and run to ran. her. And it was the sweetest thing. It was the cutest, sweetest embrace. It was the Hampton hug that we all talk about. Yeah. And and Lauren cried. <laughs> it was so sweet. And I just, I loved that moment. I love that Kamali felt that safe at Hampton. Yeah. Um, very similar to how I feel when I see my fam. It was beautiful. Man, what a beautiful journey. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. And most importantly, you, the listener on the Black Love Podcast Network. Right. Massive love to our executive producers, Cody and Tommy Oliver. Mm-hmm. Our producer, Crystal Hill. And to all my HBCU fam out there, I know that the homecoming season may have just concluded but the love never does until we cross paths next time. Peace. Peace.